Hi, my name is Shirley. I'm a real recovering compulsive overeater, and I <laughs> thanks. Um, uh, to some of you, um, I may not look familiar, and that's because I'm from the Silicon Valley Intergroup, which is in San Jose. Um, for the newcomers, um, I'll kind of um, do the beginning part of my story. I also have some pictures that um, I'll pass around. Okay, um, actually, next month I will be celebrating my 18th anniversary in Overeaters Anonymous. I walked into these rooms on July the 18th, 1992, and I actually tipped the scales at 240 pounds, and... Um, these were elastic, but I managed to uh, stretch out the elastic. Um, I don't know if anyone here in this room has ever done that to your pants. <laughs> but this, this is my proof of um, part of my um, progress in the fellowship. Um, I've always... Um, been fascinated or really drawn to food. Um, I have uh, early memories of, of food as a little one. Um, I think I was about two years old when my mother decided um, she was going to put me in a nursery school. And I really didn't know how to be with other children. And and so they would have snack time, and they would use these big round tables, and the teacher would put out a graham cracker and orange juice at each place. And what I would do is I would follow behind her, and I would take a bite of the cracker and a sip of the juice, and I would do that, you know, until she had covered um, the entire table. And I was told I wasn't supposed to do that. You know, um, my, on my father's side of the family, um, they were farmers. And so food was very important to my father. You know, um, he was an auto mechanic uh, when I was growing up. And so at 6 o'clock when he came home, he expected his meal to be on the table. And there were um, certain items that had to be on the table or he didn't really consider it to be um, a meal that was fit for him. And that was kind of... Um, you know, what it was like when I was uh, growing up. I do remember food fights, but food fights in um, my family are not like the food fights that you see in movies. You know, the ones in movies, they look like they're fun, but in my family, they were not fun. And this was like um, back in the early 60s. Um, before microwaves and uh, different things like that. And 
I remember my mother would have to start a new meal all over again, like at 10 o'clock at night, you know, and she was trying to figure out how to defrost um, a frozen roast, you know. Um, and we broke a lot of Mailmac dishes. I don't remember if anybody's old enough to remember Mailmac. Um, but I grew up with that, and uh, I managed to break a lot of those dishes. Um, let me see. Um, I actually don't really remember, you know, what happened from... Growing up in my household um, with food to um, getting to a place where I actually became a compulsive overeater. Um, it was back in the uh, late 70s uh, when I was diagnosed as a manic, and then... Um, Later on in the 90s, um, I was reclassified as a bipolar. And I have struggled with the bipolar and the compulsive overeating. Um, somehow the, the two of them um, kind of get really messed up. I mean, uh, it may be similar to other people who are in other 12-step programs who are dealing with uh, another addiction. And, and so I actually think, you know, that was like um, part of my story. Um, because when I was growing up as a little child, um, I didn't have any issues with um, being overweight. Um, I did have some issues um, after about eight or, or nine with um, some sexual molestation. And I think that got in the way of my, my body image. You know, uh, it interfered with my ability um, in figuring out who I could actually trust. And, and that became uh, really difficult for me. You know, it's like, well, can I trust my mother? Can I trust my husband? Um, and I came to the conclusion that there really wasn't anyone that I could trust my truth with. Um, and eventually, um, I did a lot of therapy, and finally, after I had remarried, um, my mother-in-law and my husband decided that I needed to switch my um, medical care. And as a result of that, um, the doctor actually carried the message to me. Um, she was the first person that ever said to me, a woman who is carrying over 100 pounds on her body, that there's a reason why you're eating. And she felt that this particular commercial diet would help me as far as um, figuring out 
what would be um, considered uh, good, healthy portions for me to eat for, for my body size. But she felt that the place where I needed to go for emotional support was OA. And I'd never heard of 12-step recovery before. And I said, oh, what is that? And she said, Overeaters Anonymous. You know, and I said, well, how do I find them? And she goes, look for them in the telephone book. You know, and luckily my inner group had a listing for Overeaters Anonymous in, in the white pages. And, and that was how um, I connected with them. You know, and I wasn't really sure about this Overeaters Anonymous, you know? I've, I've always gone up and down with my weight, even when I was growing up in high school. Um, even in my 20s and 30s, I've been on endless diets, you know, like probably a number of people in this room. And so I just thought, you know, I just needed to go on another diet, take some weight off, and my life would be fine. Well, I had actually reached a point where I got burnt out. And I just didn't think it was in me anymore to do another diet. And I was tired of going to these organizations where they were going to make a promise to me. And they would say, Shirley, this is the last time you will ever have to do this again. You know, I was really tired of paying the money, doing what they tell me to do, and then it turns out later that they really didn't know what they were talking about. And for some reason, I decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to try this. You know, and my husband was supporting me, um, even though he's not in 12-step recovery. And at one point, um, OA was like about 32 years old. And he said, well, they must know something if they've been around this long. And then the other thing was OA was was using um, a lot of the literature, like the steps and the traditions from Alcoholics Anonymous. And they had started in like 1935. And so it's like, well, these two groups must know something or they wouldn't still be around. And so I decided, well, okay, I'll just give it a try and, and see what happens. And my husband's kind of funny, you know, because he would say, well, you're doing it because this is a, a diet and calories club. And I pull out the pamphlet and I said, no, see, it says they're not, you know. Um, so we kind of went um, back and forth like that. I can't uh, really remember how many years ago it was, but 
um, one time my husband and I were out eating dinner. We were basically killing time um, because we were waiting on our daughter who was doing an activity in San Jose. And he said to me, he goes, you know, if we walked in this restaurant, we meaning who we were in 1990, uh, if, if that couple walked in, sat down at our table, he said, I don't think we would recognize ourselves. You know, because he felt that because of my recovery and because of all the things that had happened to us, he thought we had changed and evolved. And to this day, you know, um, our life is continuing to, to change. Um, it's kind of interesting because Andrea... Andrea and I kept going back and forth today. We were doing phone tag and stuff. And I finally told her, I said, you know, it doesn't look like I'm going to make it to your house. I said, so we finally decided that I should just drive over here. And what we, what the family was doing was we were having our last meal with our 18-year-old. And she's the baby that you see in the picture. Because when I came into program, uh, she was the baby. And the reason why I bothered with Overeaters Anonymous, I, I made the effort to be absent to work um, this program of recovery was I was 43 years old when I had her and I knew that I would be 61 when, when she graduated from high school. Well the thing of it is my mother died when she was 61 and it was like okay what guarantee do I have that I'm still going to be here when that child graduates. And um, it's been amazing. You know, I've been her child advocate, and I fought for her rights. And she she is amazing. You know, um, for a child who, who basically didn't know how to speak, and then... Um, Slowly, she she was able to do that and more. And tomorrow, we're going to take her to San Francisco and put her on the airplane, and she'll be spending two weeks in France. And actually, part of that time, she will be living with a French family speaking French. <laughs> And she's, uh, I think she's a, a little worried about whether and how she's going to be able to do that. But, you know, this is just um, part of the recovery process. You know, we have a lot of slogans in program about trust the process one day at a time, um, a step at a time. Um, Back in 2006, I, I had a total knee replacement, 
And I discovered that I didn't know how to walk. You know, I thought I knew how to walk, but I discovered I did not know how to walk. And basically, I was taught how to walk. Well, you know, being over um, 50-some years old, uh, that's kind of difficult. Because basically, um, they had to break all of my old habits in and retrain everything that I thought that I knew how to do. And you know that slogan, one step at a time? Um, that was really true for me because to this day, um, if you see me walking down steps, I do. I take steps like a little baby. I can only do one step at a time. You know, I wish I could go faster and I'm sure the people behind me wish I could go faster, but the truth of the matter is this is as fast as I can go. You know, um, how am I doing on the time? Three total? Three left, yeah. Okay. Um, well, what can I say? As you can probably see from my pictures, um, my, my weight has, has varied all over the ballpark. And I wish I could say that I was a perfect example of how this program works. Um, and to the newcomers, I hope you don't get scared, okay? Because you'll say to yourself, well, gosh, she's been in the program all these many years, and, and she's not so perfect either, okay? Well, the truth is um, some people in the program that I know and even some people in this room, um, they have been able to do it more perfectly than I am. And I really identify myself as a perfect example of, of imperfection. You know, and I just have to trust that my higher power is still trying to teach me some lessons. And unfortunately, I haven't learned all of those lessons. You know, sometimes it's almost like you, um, getting hit on the head a couple of times or falling down and having to get up, brush your knees and, and keep going. Um, for me, I don't really think it serves me to keep starting over and over. You know, there's this little story we say, um, somebody who lives in New York decides they're going to take drive to California. Well, their car breaks down in Texas, so they wait for their car to get uh, repaired. So when the car is ready to go, do they drive back to New York and start all over, or do they pick up? where they are in Texas and go on. And so for me, I just keep going on. I just keep moving um, my feet one step at a time. Um, there's probably a reason why each one of you is, is here tonight. Um, 
And whatever reason um, your higher power brought you here, um, my hope, my prayer is that you will get something out of this meeting. If you didn't hear it from me, maybe um, somebody else will share or you'll talk to somebody tonight and they will say the one thing that you needed to hear. Um, I've been kind of a, a, a nervous wreck because of, um, all the things, uh, that I was doing with my family, um, before I get, got here. So if I, um, seem a little scattered, uh, I really do apologize. Um, all I know is that this program works and... You know, whether you're in a good place, a not-so-good place, um, wherever you are, um, what we say is keep coming back no matter what. Thanks a lot.